0: Welcome to the Sacktown Royalty Show. I am your host, Bradley Buddy Geyser. That one was a cop out because I don't even remember what Buddy's real name is, but live with it. Today I am joined by Sacktown Royalty's own social media maven. The guy who's behind all the social media posts you see in Sackdown royalty, unless I'm hijacking the account and doing my own jokes, Kevin Fippen. <laughs> How's it going, Kevin? What?
1: Hey, man. What's up? It's it's uh, it's it's Sh- Shavano. Is it? I don't
0: even know how to say it. Oh, Buddy oh yeah, heel. that is. Yeah. yeah, you're right. Yeah, it's I like C I A V A N O or something. Yeah, yeah, yeah,
1: yeah. C H C H A V A N Oh, yeah, yeah. Also, I've always wanted to be a Maven, so thank you for that. I I honestly had to Google I feel like it's
0: a title that's so much better than the ones you get. I feel like (laughs) job titles in general – like imagine if the general manager of a basketball team was the team's Maven. Yeah, yeah, Lottie's a Maven for sure. Lottie has Maven energy. (laughs) (laughs)
1: Yeah. He's got Maven energy. It's just a title that has a lot of clout. And honestly, social media Maven is so much better than like Guru, which is kind of like a BS thing. No, I mean, you can't quantify that Guru status, but Maven, that's real.
0: Everyone knows Guru's the rapper from, I forget what the, what his group was. (laughs) Um, Is that, is that, is that
1: uh, the Joints and Jams? Uh, Let's get it started. Who are those guys?
0: Let's get started. Isn't that the Black Eyed Peas?
1: Yeah, black eyed peas. Is that where's guru? No guru
0: he... oh, this this is a great start to a basketball podcast. Um, <laughs> <laughs> guru was is this how they all start by the way? Is this oh basically normal? We always okay, all right, all right. Well actually you oh no, I can't tell you this oh oh
1: Gangstar, he's from Gangstar. I'm sorry.
0: Gangstar, yeah. I their name completely fit me because I remembered totally now your mind, but I couldn't remember. This.
1: Oh my god, black eyed peas, that's terrible. I'm sorry. Dude. No, there's if you're one of them's
0: Taboo. I think one of the black eyed peas is taboo. Yeah. That's what you're You're right. About. You're right. That was, yeah, them?
1: I just mixed up my ooh sounds. My bad. Yeah.
0: My bad. One is of the this two what people... you
1: and TJ talked about to start the last podcast?
0: Yeah, basically. Every time I just talk about Star <laughs> and I forget what their name is. It's a good shtick. I like it. I like it. Yeah. My, my shtick's the nickname thing, but I never think about it before. So I, I start saying hello and then I'm like, Oh, I have to think of a nickname.
1: <laughs> what dumb thing am I going to say?
0: I'm like five in and I'm already struggling. I thought this would have I more swear- shelf life.
1: Do, you, do children listen to this as swearing aloud? Like, do you have to do the explicit, the first curse word I that I don't know say? what
0: the rules is. Just I usually, if someone curses, I just do it preemptively. I don't know if you Ooh. get like a PG-13 <sighs> cursor here.
1: Okay. But okay. TJ's 3-0 so.
0: on that front.
1: <laughs> All right. I'll see what I can do.
0: All right. Yeah. You got to make it natural. You can't, you can't make it. Like... It's got to be
1: organic. I'm not going to force yeah. any F words, but like, if we're talking about something that just, and it just feels right, it's going to happen. I'm not going to censor myself for you or yeah. anyone, Bradley. Wow. it's brave. Very can brave I also extent. say, before we jump into other topics, I assume you have other topics. I don't really know. I, you know, I've always said your, your last name wrong in my head
0: geezer let me guess
1: yeah yeah that's what yeah. i thought it that's i mean i don't know why it isn't that to be completely honest with you
0: <laughs> well maybe it was and someone just changed it yeah I, I mean i get
1: i mean it makes sense
0: but uh it's the way i always describe it if i'm like typing with someone is old faithful and then they're like oh right. yeah it's a uh, german I, I believe i heard it's common okay. but i've never met someone else with my last name, and I don't know how a no last one. name can be common, and you never meet anyone else with it.
1: Yeah, yeah, I've never seen anybody with that. I mean, and, and I honestly, I think that your family is just wrong, honestly, yeah. like it's probably oh, they are. that they are. Okay, all right, that's fair.
0: <laughs> that's that's kind of what our thing is. <laughs> Every family has their own quirk, ours is just wrong. Just specialize in that. Yeah. Well, speaking of last names, we have talked no basketball so far, but that's cool. cool. Um, but <coughs> of our last End names. It. Do you remember? Do you remember <laughs> when I showed you when I was in Yuba City a couple of years ago, and there was a Fippen Avenue, or that might have been Marysville, but I think it's Yuba City,
1: and I have been there. It's legitimately like one block long. Uh, I think maybe near a park. And I've it was it's the most depressing and least impressive street on record. But yeah, Fippen Avenue, man. I think you yeah, could find so, it on a map, maybe, maybe.
0: If if Fippen Avenue were to represent you and your family, what would it be then?
1: Are you asking me to describe what? Yeah. <laughs> what, what, my would, street what would look your like?
0: ideal be? <laughs> what would your ideal Fippen Avenue be? I mean, I would
1: want it to be a little longer. I'm not going to lie to you. Maybe that's it. Just wasn't vanity. really short. Screen. I'm not I sure remember. I remember that it's just like not even a normal block length. I think um, I'm not asking for much to be honest. I think park adjacent is pretty great, but a Yuba City Park. I don't know if that's worth it for our Yuba <laughs> City listeners. I'm sorry, and please don't come at me. Uh, but you know, it just wasn't. I mean, it's not like I'm. A, it's not like you know it's like Central Park West or whatever. Like this is Fippen Avenue is like next to this like playground in Yuba city. And it's like, it's maybe got like four houses on it. It's, uh, it's probably what my family deserves. Let's be honest.
0: <laughs> well, now that we've both just <laughs> completely insulted our families, <laughs> let's move on to basketball. Does that sound good?
1: They aren't listening. They're not going to listen. They're the last people to listen to this. Yeah. They,
0: my, my family hates me. So it's all fine.
1: Right. Samesies.
0: These- yeah. So um, what do you think we should start with? I should have set the order before. Should we start with Harry Giles or should we start with Wins?
1: Uh, I mean, Wins seems right. So let's do Harry Giles.
0: Yeah, let's bring her. Our... Oh, OK. Yeah, <laughs> I see it. So I don't think we need to, like, break news here. The Kings did not take Harry Giles' option for next year and financially it's not that big a deal depending on who you talk to the move itself might not be that big a deal what were your thoughts when you heard that
1: so the fourth year on that deal it's like four million dollars right that they would have had to pay him and it's my understanding and you can correct me if I'm wrong that because they did this they're kind of hamstrung with regards to what they're able to pay him like the most that they can pay him is the four million that he would have gotten if they picked up the option, whereas anyone else in free agency, because he's unrestricted now, has the ability to pay him more. So for me, it's kind of confusing because what Vladi said was, um, you know, this doesn't mean that he's out of our plan, our future plans, which would lead me to believe, like, hey, if you know, if he does well, they'd love to keep him. You know, if he proves that he can. Um, This is all just me kind of, you know, reading tea leaves based on what what he did say. But if he does that, there's probably no way they can afford him. So I'm not really sure how the move benefits the Kings unless they just don't think he's very healthy or he tracks to be healthy in the future. Uh, I don't know. What did you think?
0: That's kind of – it's one of the things right away I was like, I get it, but then – the more I thought about it, the more it kind of made me a little angry. Not like throw things angry, but just I just two days before that, I had put out my piece on Sacktown Royalty about how this team struggles with their optics and how they sure just they're terrible at like figuring out how to make players want to be here, how to just promote like a healthy franchise, one that people want to be there with. And Harry Giles seems to be someone who likes being here. And he might have injury struggles, but at the end of the day, it was like $4 million. And it just doesn't make any sense for the team to not just take that chance.
1: Yeah. Yeah, I mean, from just just purely from a money standpoint, I don't see the downside in picking up the option, right? Unless they just have decided that it's, um, you know, too big of a cost for someone who's never going to play. Um, I just feel like that's maybe I have a hard time with that, considering the fact that they knew his injury history when they took him. They made him sit out for a full season. Um, he came in and he played well in year two. Now we're in year three. um obviously, he had a setback at the end of last year, and now there's rumors that he might have come into camp, maybe out of shape, uh, yeah, just based on what what people are talking about. And so now, if that's true, and this is something that you know, it's his own fault. And this is something I think that James Ham mentioned on another podcast and um, there's been rumblings about. But if that's true, maybe I get it. Maybe they're just unhappy with what happened. But I don't see any way where if he ends up being like a, you know, a player worth that that fourth year that they can actually keep him at this point. And now maybe what they've done by not picking up that option is created a little bit of value in an expiring deal but who whatever that team is that takes him can't sign him for any more than the 4 million either yeah. and he's still going to be unrestricted. So I I for me just strategically it doesn't make a ton of sense. I don't really get it. I don't I don't mind the optics as much as you though I do love Harry and I wish that he was staying and it's obvious that he likes it here or has liked it here and he did seem to put in the work to get to this point up until this offseason with whatever happened there. So for me, I mean, it would be nice to reward him, but I, I honestly don't know enough about maybe what did actually happen this offseason yeah. to say.
0: I, I think it's just more, to me, it's just like a microcosm of an issue that the Kings have had as far as the way they've treated sure. players under this current ownership sure. group. It seems like every time this comes up, it's never just like a smooth – not, not necessarily because and Fox and – or, no. Who are the other two options? Was that and Fox and Marvin Bagley?
1: Yeah. I mean, oh, okay. dear box. So, so yeah, I mean, honestly when you look at that 2017 draft with Harry Giles now with the decision that the Kings have made, if he pans out the way that it, I assume the Kings think he will, then that draft isn't as great as we once yeah. thought it was. Right. Um, and obviously they passed up on some talent to pick up Harry Giles. So you think they understand the risk involved in that It's just weird that they would punt so soon after doing that, right? Like, they they wasted one of the three years. They used him in the second year after making him sit. And now this year he was trying to play again, and he may still. I don't really understand the choice based on that. You know what I mean?
0: And with $4 billion, as the the salary cap continues to just go upward, what are they going to do with that $4 million (laughs) that's going to be objectively better than signing harry giles they're not asking for a whole lot out of harry giles for four million dollars like
1: that's asking him to
0: be like maybe a little better than Scal was (laughs) if that yeah i think i think
1: that's the number one thing you think you have to think about when you think about the kings and how they'll use their salary cap and free agency going forward is like when you start talking about the couple million dollars here and there a lot of times you're sort of like, okay, they overpaid this guy, but what were they going to do with that two million, three million, four million anyway, right? Um, and because those value guys, generally speaking, can take their pick of whatever team they want to go to. If they're worth, if they're actually a value at that at that low dollar amount, they're probably not coming here. You know what I mean? Um, because yeah. they're going to take their value contract and they're going to go to the team that can't afford to pay for the for 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 too much because they already have superstars on that team. And so that's, I think, where it gets difficult for the Kings, right? Like, and so maybe the idea is that they're going to need all of that $4 million to pay Fox and Bagley, but it just seems like that's probably not the case. Like, I feel like they could get away with it. <laughs> you know, $2 million here, $2 million there. there. Uh, or, you know, even go over the cap if they have to. Harry, Harry Giles was the the one guy where after they paid everybody, it was sort of like, well, they'd have to go over the cap to keep him um but gosh like why don't we find out if that even needs to
0: happen in the first place you know yeah it's sometimes there's a gamble it's it's a very low risk like if they right. took that option and Harry Giles was terrible worst case scenario Harry Giles nobody is saying they shouldn't have taken that right. option it's there's right, no right, risk exactly. in taking it but there is a risk in doing this and like you said he goes to Portland, since I said Scal earlier. I don't know. He goes to Portland and becomes maybe their seventh, eighth, ninth man. Eddie's very valuable, and suddenly he's worth $10 million a year or whatever. That's when the king looks stupid. And, yeah, I'm just – it's not just a Vlade thing. Other GMs have done it. I'm just tired of us not taking chances on the right thing and taking chances on the wrong thing. Like, I'd much rather us take a chance on – Wow, perfect opportunity for a Mamma Mia reference here to take a chance <laughs> on Harry. And I just – I could have done that naturally. But yeah, if you change their that. mind, that's... maybe he'll be first in line.
1: <laughs> but... I, mean, I don't <laughs> – that's too deep in the woods for me to get, but I would have gotten take a chance on me. I mean, that was yeah. your opportunity, your one-shot mom spaghetti, yeah. and, you, and you definitely bone yeah. that. I'm sorry.
0: Yeah. I should have taken a chance, take a chance, chance, take a chance. <laughs> Um, <laughs> okay i've already gotten my first cringe from the guest that means i know
1: my
0: when i had tj on it took like 13 seconds so
1: oh wow yeah i mean you did pretty well so far i honestly didn't think we would get into mama mia but i'm not sure I why think i think that's that. my that first mama mia i should have assumed it yeah
0: i oh, think it's I'm my sure. first audible one but I've probably done it before because it's the best movie, the the sequel. If if you aren't aware of my brand, "Mamma Mia," here I like, we go
1: again, it's pretty <laughs> high up there. It's like "Mamma Mia," here we go again. Yeah. Godfather Seagal. two. <laughs>
0: yeah, yeah, it's "Mamma Mia," Siege here we
1: one. go again. Under Siege two, and then Godfather two. That's your my word. thing is I just understand. watching the I, yeah, second go. movie
0: in in film <laughs> franchises. <laughs> But back to totally, what was I talking totally. about. Harry Giles. Yeah, taking a chance on him. Now I'm just thinking about ABBA. Taking a chance on him was just a no-brainer. And I'd rather they take a chance on him than when they took a chance on trading away Stauskas and another pick to bring in Rondo and Bellinelli for a year. Like, they take the yeah. wrong chances.
1: Well, and I just think if you're talking risk-reward, uh, you know you're kind of pot committed, right? You picked him 20th, you made moves to do it. You passed up on, you know, Collins uh, to make that trade. Granted, you know, it paid dividends in other ways, the other moves that they made in that draft. But like what they did was they just kept adding darts, right? And they, and they, and they, it's, it would seem to me like they're pot committed into Harry Giles at this point. They already took that full year, and stashed him and made him recover. Started playing him in year two. The fans really, um, you know, became attached to him. Uh, he became a big part of the team. I think he's a big part of the locker room culture. And then in year three, at the beginning of the year, they say, "Hey, you know, we're not picking up your option." It doesn't make any sense to me, right? Like they've already spent so much money on him. There's opportunity costs that they, you know spent by not taking somebody else uh, at this point like it just doesn't seem it doesn't even seem like taking a chance it just seems like the thing that you do but maybe i just don't understand the next move and i'm willing to accept that but i i have to see what it is to be completely honest i don't i don't really get it
0: who's the last like contributing member of the team they didn't take the option on a jimmer they didn't take the final year option for but you know he was what he was at that point but
1: yeah contributing i can't even think i mean if historically if the kings pick someone in the draft who is you know even semi-decent they're picking up the option right And, and and i think you know logically Almost every team does that because that increases their value and control. And if you were to, even if you were thinking of trading them, right? Like you pick up the option, you yeah. make the move. The other team has control in the player. Um, I believe it makes them restricted, right? It, when when that fourth year ends. Um, so most teams would want that in return for something, right? So like it doesn't, yeah. I, I can't think of a time where they would have done it because it doesn't make sense to do
0: it. And if you're going to take a project, you have to... Make the project count, you know? Scal was right. kind of a project, too, for less than... I I think this is, like, not just me picking a random name. I think Scal comes to mind because he kind of was a similar pick and that people thought he fell to us. He was kind of a project. He was raw, but... And then the Kings gave up on him last year, and he's actually a semi-decent contributing member to the Blazers, and the Kings have Caleb Swannigan, which if Caleb Swannigan crashed through my window right now, I don't think I'd recognize yeah. him. You know, why
1: <laughs> if 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 anybody's option wasn't going to get picked up, couldn't it have been <laughs> Swannigan by by Portland? Would have yeah. saved us a lot of a lot of trouble. But yeah, I I honestly I totally agree with you. I mean, if they went as far as to pick this guy knowing he had you know, a AC, like ACL surgeries on both knees, and he would they they went into the season knowing they were going to have him kind of iced for an entire season and they had to pay him anyway. And he was taking a roster spot um, while he did it. And then going into the next season, you know, they play him and he has some minor setbacks towards the end of the season, which I think was supposed to be not his related to his knee injuries. I don't understand why in season three, they're already ready to do this. Now. I don't know if maybe he's for all in for all we know, he's the greatest kid in the world, like right yeah. in terms of locker room presence, but maybe he's not. I don't know. But maybe maybe there's more to this whole story about w- him not coming into sh- coming into camp in shape. Maybe there's something really wrong with his medicals, but like it it would seem like it he's would have 22. to be something like that. Right. Like, yeah. He's... And it would it would really seem like it would have to be something like that for this move to make any sense in my mind. Given given what they've already put into him, like the other $4 million just doesn't seem like it would be a lot to ask to try to find out if this was the right move to begin with. And um, they're not going to do it, it sounds like.
0: Yeah. And I don't know how much more there is to say, but we're even looking at a situation right now where all of our bigs aren't performing. So what if Giles comes back and he's his best version of himself and we basically can't afford him here. Right,
1: and you know there aren't a lot of bigs on the team that are great passers, right? Beyond uh, Bielitsa, you know, Bagley, when he's healthy, he's kind of not not really a good distributor. It doesn't think the pass generally, even out of double teams. He's getting better, but he's kind of a black hole. You got Deadman, who's not really known for that, but can do it. Um, Holmes definitely isn't, you know, um, looking to make plays out there, right, and so. I think a guy like Harry Giles would be valuable if he was healthy. Um, You know, he's about as big of a question mark in terms of, like, can he develop a jumper as maybe Bagley is right now? At least in my mind, I'm sure that somebody would disagree with me. Um, But I I honestly think he's a guy that could contribute if he's healthy. So I'd be curious to know, like, what they know in terms of, like, medicals that we just don't.
0: Yeah. And there's just – that's literally all you need to be at $4 million if that. It's a contributor. Right. No, I totally
1: agree. I mean, you wouldn't have to contribute that much. You pay the guy at the end of your bench, you know, $4 million. I guess a veteran minimum is $1.5.
0: We paid Zach Randolph like $15 million last year to show up like every fifth game high. Yeah, man.
1: Costa Kufos was getting paid like $11 million, (laughs) I think um four doesn't seem like much to ask considering what everybody else is getting paid on this team and you've got a lot of like rookie deals i don't know it doesn't make a lot of sense to me obviously i think i
0: don't, I don't know. know what like yogi Farrell's making i don't remember
1: what his deal is but i think he's making the same i think he's making like four million dollars
0: you could google <laughs> it i guess that's perfect for yogi Farrell like <laughs> yeah even he's not playing this year that's perfect for him it's I don't know. Which it's is why they enormous. couldn't
1: like let him go, right? He's making six point two million dollars. It's like a no-brainer oh, wow. deal, right? Which is what you start thinking about when you think about, um, you know, Giles's contract. I think it's six point two million. Let me look at like the last year. I think it was only partially guaranteed, but they're gonna pay him. No, it's it three point a- one million dollars.
0: Oh, okay. Which, yeah,
1: so yeah, that's that's perfect, right? Like that's what you pay the guy. Uh, your third point guard, maybe you could get like somebody on a vet minimum, which is, I think is like one and a half million dollars. But like that guy's not going to play, and um, you know, eventually maybe Yogi is going to have to step in, which I kind of think they probably should, just based on what we've seen out of yeah. Kojo so far. But that's, I guess, Kojo, we're going down a tangent.
0: There. I think Yogi and Kojo kind of fill similar roles, and that both have their flaws, but both have their place on the court. Yogi's probably the better offensive. Option, Kojo should be the better defensive option. Um
1: but yeah. A hundred percent. I think that the where Yogi maybe is the better choice right now, though we have not gotten to test it yet, is that the second unit seems to be playing with not even like half the pace as as the starters. Yeah. And it it really does seem to be a problem. Um it seems like this team has the interchangeable parts to play with the same pace for 48 minutes, but they aren't doing it. Uh, and I think that Yogi would definitely push that pace up. And he's a better yeah. shooter. Um, probably not as good of a distributor. Definitely not as good of a defender. Um, and I Yogi's- think that's where.
0: Yogi's very good. The Go main flaw is just his height. <laughs> Because he's yeah, it's tiny, right? That's really the only. That's really like if he's the 6'2 version of himself, he's probably in most rotations in the NBA.
1: I agree with that, and I think that generally speaking, it's hard to find someone that tiny that is like a competent defender, right? Ob- oftentimes, I think we will the overvalue their defensive contributions just because like they're they look tough out there, right? Like if somebody tries real hard. At, but like, you know, at some point when you're five foot eight or whatever, right? Like you just can't defend the way a guy who is six, two could, um, because yeah. you don't have the length. Um, it doesn't matter how fast you are or how cute you look when you're trying to box out, right? Like at some point, like you're not as effective of a defender as somebody who's a little bit bigger. And I think that's where he is hurt in a lot of ways, but also he yeah. just doesn't give the defensive effort. I think that we would expect to see anyway.
0: Yeah, um, most of the guys who are short and good defenders are annoying more than they are good defenders. Totally. I don't even remember how tall is Patrick Beverly. He's he might be one of those guys who I think of as shorter than he is. He could be like six four, but I think
1: Patrick Beverly is like a six one guy. Let's see.
0: But yeah, he's six one. He, is he a great defender? or Is he just an annoying defender? I think he's both,
1: um, and he's got a. I think he's pretty long for 6-1, for which really helps him out. And he just yeah. is, you know, tenacious, I think, you know, is the word that I would use to describe him. Uh, He's taken more.
0: And... I think I've seen more players try to elbow Patrick Beverly than I've seen anyone in the NBA. Like, I think LeBron to totally. elbow him in the first game. You know, like Mutombo'd most of us
1: You know, most of us have that that thing inside of us that that tells us to respect other people's personal space. Patrick Beverly doesn't have that; he doesn't have that.
0: He'll read over your shoulder without any thought about it. (laughs) No, (laughs) that tale of two cities. You know, all those times you're (laughs) reading. Patrick Beverly on the subway would be. Yeah,
1: Patrick Beverly on a subway would be the worst. I think.
0: Uh, I hope he at least has good breath. That's all I ask. Of course, knowing him, he probably doesn't brush his teeth on game days just to have that advantage on guys. I wish he would totally. have. Totally. Didn't the Kings offer him like a nice sum of money? Or was that just rumor?
1: I don't know what they offered him, but I know that they were they were definitely interested and they were definitely after him. I feel him. I'm, like I'm, he I'm, said – I don't remember.
0: Now, take it with a grain of salt. It could have even been his agent telling him stuff, but I feel like he said he took less money to go to the Clippers, but –
1: yeah, I think that that is what we heard. Um, and then I think maybe, maybe did the Kings deny that or something? Like they, I don't know. Yeah, there is a story that he, he turned down a lucrative offer. But then I think when they looked at the money, like it, when the money was reported, it really wasn't very different. Oh, okay. I don't know. I don't know. I could be remembering that wrong
0: though. Yeah. I'm starting to just wonder when the Kings say things and what they do sometimes it seems like those are two separate things.
1: (laughs) Uh, Yeah. I mean, I think it it definitely sometimes doesn't make a lot of sense or the, the two don't always uh, seem to add up. But I think in this instance, what he said was like, he turned down like 10 million more dollars or something, but like the Kings offered maybe, maybe like more years. And so honestly, it didn't add up to what he was saying. Though we're obviously getting all this information from Patrick Patrick, Patrick Beverly, and then secondhand, right? So,
0: yeah, that's that's a strange combination, yeah. (laughs) But anyway, I think I mean, since we're not even on Harry Giles anymore, I think we're done with the Harry Giles situation. We just went down totally. I'm surprised that we
1: agree, like, we generally don't agree, but it sounds like we are we hate lockstep on this one, yeah. we I don't know if the people at home listening know this, but you are my arch enemy on the internet.
0: Kevin and I have fist fought multiple times, but we also respect each other enough to not give away who's won. (laughs) But it's (laughs) 50-50. Yeah, it's tied. It's tied. The next one's just, when you haven't heard from the other, you'll know who won.
1: (laughs) It's going to, the next time we see each other, we're going to have that moment like uh, Rocky and Apollo yeah with the freeze with the freeze frame and you'll just we'll never talk about who won Oh, we gotta
0: get we gotta get willie collie stein's old (laughs) photographer to take that picture so we i just i just actually acted out the rocky punch while i was saying that did you yeah because i was like thinking of the freeze frame and i just realized that i was just making the pose but yeah we gotta do that yeah
1: it's such a sick moment in cinematic history too you know
0: well, most and then later we find out that it's a painting that exists in the Rocky universe because it's hanging in, at his restaurant in Rock Balboa,
1: yeah, I don't under like I don't aren't you confused by that though did he describe yes. it to an artist and they painted it? Was there someone yeah. there on the beach and they and they were just standing there and posing for the photo? Maybe I don't understand how the how the painting could exist.
0: maybe now that they've made it. That freeze frame is just that picture on the wall, but it didn't have context <laughs> then. What if Rockies 1
1: through 4 were really just paintings? Things that <laughs> – I don't know how to describe this. You know how like St. Elsewhere was like a vision? Yes.
0: In a snow globe, right? That's the Denzel yeah, Washington Yeah, exactly. Picture.
1: Yeah, and maybe then it's like that.
0: One time, we were getting some great basketball talking this, <laughs> this time. Is but, an,
1: this is incredibly high concept, and I'm yeah. sure that people are enjoying it.
0: Like, if you think about it, do the Kings exist or do they exist in our mind? But someone once I made a graph. Uh,
1: yeah.
0: Of everything, I guess, St. Elsewhere had a bunch of crossover episodes or something, and then inevitably okay. those had crossover episodes. So someone figured okay. out that, like, half of the popular shows in the last half century must take place inside that snow globe
1: god if like the new heart show also took place as part of that universe that would get really confusing because i'm pretty sure it's the same concept where like bob newhart like just wakes up and he like the whole the all the shit was a dream or whatever like the daryl's which makes sense like it was kind of like a weird fever dream but that's uh and-
0: I think this relates to the Kings because a lot of the Kings season. Like,
1: <laughs> just a elbow fever dream.
0: Yeah. Like, do we really know if, um, oh, this is a hilarious joke. Desmond Mason was on the Kings or is Jack just one of those things where we've talked about that and so it existed?
1: Right. And, like, how is it even possible that John Salmons was on the team so many times, right? Like, that doesn't make any sense in, in the yeah. real world. How did yeah, the Kings
0: ruin Carl Landry twice? Like he was a good player and then came <laughs> here and was bad. And then he rehabbed his image and came back and was bad.
1: <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. His legs didn't even work anymore. And the Kings were like, you're the first person we're getting.
0: Yeah. Just, I don't know if the Kings, that's, that's going to be an off season episode. Just, we got to have like a real surrealist vision of the Kings.
1: <laughs> yeah. Maybe cut all this out. Who knows?
0: Nah. We'll keep this in. All right. They
1: cool, gotta cool. know.
0: They gotta get side podcasting. But <laughs> we'll go on actual basketball now. Like and nobody, we'll nobody about-
1: listening knows what the what the hell Saint Elsewhere is. I gotta think. And then Newhart, <laughs> I like really doubled down.
0: So yeah. I'm. Just, you really showed. You, I'm my sorry. boomer. I'm listening, really sorry for everybody. <laughs> the baby boomer demographic on this just gonna. <laughs> Yeah, my
1: dad's really, really stoked about, like, the topics of conversation here.
0: Well, you know... He wasn't host... with us
1: on the whole Harry Giles thing, but, like, he's yeah. with us now.
0: Yeah, and with the Mama Mia thing, I'm sure I captured a demographic. The three other people <laughs> I know who love that movie and basketball.
1: Yeah, the Venn diagram of this episode's, like, target audience is... The Venn diagram oh, intersection.
0: St. Elsewhere fans, Mama Mia fans, and NBA fans is just... Just, so, through the just so
1: fucking small. Absolutely,
0: yeah. So on that note, <laughs> the Kings are on a two-game winning streak right now. Did you know that?
1: Yeah, I did know that. I'm not even certain that they'll ever lose again. Honestly, just yeah. based on what well, you
0: actually, I think they've already. Your prediction for the season was what, eighty and two? Yes. Yeah. Yeah. So they're on track.
1: <laughs> I can't really back down on that. So <laughs> we're on track. We should get the <laughs> well, Raptors.
0: If you believe in numbers, I don't think they're on track because they've won lost five games and you predicted two losses. I don't believe I guess, in numbers, so I, I, I have faith in you. But
1: I kind of think this thing will all turn around and we can somehow okay. still figure out how to be 80 and two. It's fine. It's fine. <laughs>
0: okay. But you're you're kind of the opposite of John Hollinger. <laughs> like you just take rod log- <laughs> you're to logic but he is to numbers.
1: Yeah, I think it's it's gonna work out, right? Like at some point. Honestly, like, here's the thing that you guys aren't considering um, that I am. And this is where it's like, it's chess to checkers, right? Like, at some point, the right. league's going to go back and look at those first few games and maybe decide that they've made a mistake, right?
0: Yeah. Uh, I mean, <laughs> we already, I mean, some Roy Addled freak injured half our team when they were down like eight right. in the first that game. That whole and- game
1: shouldn't even be allowed, right? So yeah. now, now suddenly, now suddenly we're three and four.
0: You know what yeah. I mean? And then, okay, yeah. here's this: the <laughs> Nuggets game. There were two awful calls, right? Near the right. end of that game, there's four and three, right? Now I there don't you know. Go. This third one's going to be tricky.
1: Well, the Suns are obviously cheating, right? Yeah. I mean, look at what's happening there, yeah.
0: right? And we already gave us that I, win, and then the Nuggets won, but <laughs> the Jazz. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah,
1: you're right. Okay, yeah. Well, we're the Jazz, we're the Blazers. We're... We've only got two losses now. We've already eliminated everything, yeah. so I'm right back on track. You see, this is what I was talking about. This is what I was talking about.
0: Yeah, that makes sense. So, yeah, we've established that the Kings have won two in a row. <laughs> or if you ask Kevin, the Kings are five and two. Um, who knows? But what are your thoughts? Like, are the Kings playing better right now, or did they stumble into two wins? The Jazz win was so, really impressive, but the it definitely
1: was. was it definitely was. The Knicks game, yeah, I mean, it's the Knicks. Right? It was the battle of the, like, one and five juggernauts, and so you can't really make a lot out of that. If they didn't win that game, we would have had to shut the season down. That would right?
0: be like losing to the Hornets uh, or something. <laughs> yeah, it
1: would have been as bad as losing to the Hornets. You know, I think one of the biggest problems that they've had in those first few games is they couldn't rebound at all, right? Yeah. Um, and the Jazz rebounded pretty well, or pardon me, the Kings rebounded pretty well against the Jazz, if I remember correctly. Um, and they hit their shots, right? And these other games, their hot shooting, like in the first half, just you could tell that the lead wasn't going to be sustainable because they couldn't rebound at all. Like, so they would outshoot the other team, you know, by 30 percentage points, but only be up by, you know, 10 at half because they can't get a rebound, right? The other team isn't making any open shots, but they're right in the game. And our lead just goes away immediately in the third because the other team can make some adjustments. And we just can't because we had an inability to do you know basic things. And so I think that's been a real problem. Obviously, I think in the first game, you saw the Kings like missing just a ton of open shots. Of late, they're hitting everything, right? Um, the defensive yeah. effort has been better recently it was really bad in the first few games and it was the the rebounding just wasn't there in the first few games um what i haven't liked is that i just the pace isn't there at all even in the wins like it just hasn't been the same team with regards to pace and honestly like we've seen the kings turn the ball over just a ton I would rather see them do that because they're playing fast than slowing it down and turning it over.
0: Yeah, the ISO, uh, it's giving me stressful flashbacks to Tyreek Evans. It's... Yeah. I hate those. There's no turnover I hate more than one that is due to an ISO play. Yeah, that or just like...
1: The Tyreek Evans special was just like slamming into a guy under the basket and getting the... There being seven defenders
0: there, now. at him just dribbling yeah. into all of them,
1: just doing it, doing the same this play was, over and over again. Yeah,
0: this was back in two thousand nine when there were seven players on a basketball court.
1: <laughs> and so, honestly, like I think, what what the problem the the problem is when these when we end up losing these games is that the Kings aren't adding the kinds of additional opportunities that they were adding last year, right? By getting rebounds, but also by pushing the pace, right? And and increasing um, possessions, increasing field goal attempts. And so instead of the shotgun approach that we had last year where we just ran at breakneck speeds, played a numbers game, tried to, one, wear you out, but, two, get as many attempts as we can in, in, a, in, in that 48 minutes – Now we're like slowing it down and we're trying to be snipers. And granted, on paper, we're a better shooting team. But for all these seven games, we haven't shot well for a lot of them, especially on like wide open shots. The ball movement has been semi-decent when we aren't turning it over. But like we aren't converting. And because we aren't converting and we aren't getting those opportunities and those extra possessions, especially because we can't rebound and also because the pace is bad you're just kind of minimizing your opportunities and almost every team in the league is going to eventually catch you if that's your strategy right like yeah. you need to defend at a high level or rebound really really well to make that work at all and you've also got to make your shots and if those three things aren't happening you're going to lose every time
0: I, the pace just drives me crazy because this is the second time in the post Malouf era where the Kings had a certain pace that was working for them, and for whatever reason went elsewhere, and it seemed to end catastrophically. And just know your personnel. If something works with them, let it work. Ironically, yeah, the moments I'm thinking of were the exact opposite of each other. From the team slowing it slow down and winding it up. To, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, but, totally. I, I totally get where you're going, and I
1: don't know. That I understand the reasoning behind this one, right? Like, I think before when you saw us go from a half court team that grinded it, grinded the ball down low to trying to push the pace, that was because somebody had an idea in their mind that that's what successful teams do. I have no idea why we'd be reverting, right? The personnel is such that we should be able to push the pace. I think all Jazz that heard is was that like jazzers, win- right? Right, exactly. For most of the game. I think in the second half they really slowed it down, but like oh, I was like, making
0: a joke about the basketball jazz about oh the
1: jazz, the, jazz, yeah, jazz uh, conductor exactly, exactly. But but now there doesn't seem to be a lot of rhyme or reason for going the other direction, and and I I think maybe we've heard that like Luke thinks that when they play too fast they get sloppy, but like it's well, not like they're playing super clean basketball when they're slowing it down. Um, I would rather that be the excuse. You know what I mean? Like, just run. If you turn it over, get back, do it again.
0: It's truly, like, comments like that that make me worry we're in another George Carl situation where we'd rather – we have a coach who'd rather go down with the ship doing exactly what he wants to do versus what the team should be doing.
1: Yeah. And, you know, I'll give him credit because he he made the adjustment early that I think, you know – anyone would have had to do just because like they started so poorly but he swapped out Deadman for Holmes in the starting lineup yeah which does increase the pace right because Holmes is obviously faster uh more athletic player but Devin should be able to run the floor too and i think he kind of does i don't really understand the strategy to be honest it it's definitely evident when the second unit comes in they're just a different team entirely uh, yeah. which shouldn't be happening. I don't think they need to be. Um, and so and we need for me, Bogey it's confusing. To,
0: we need Bogey to hit his shots for this too, because he is our sixth man. Right. And he's having too many six-point games on like yeah, you know, this 10 shots, 12 shots.
1: Yeah. I think when we looked at this team on paper and we thought, wow, this is a really improved team and they've addressed a lot of issues, a lot of that was predicated on the idea that these people would make their freaking shots, yeah. right? Deadman hasn't. Bogey hasn't. Even Buddy really – hasn't right. Buddy I was least games.
0: worried about. It was frustrating, but I was least worried about him because I knew he'd break out of it. Where Deadman, I just don't know him enough as a player to have faith. He hit it when it counted right. the other night. I'll give him that. And Bogey did Big struggle one. last year. So it does make you worry with Bogey. I'm not trying to be Tim here. I mean, nobody wants to be Tim. He did struggle <laughs> last year. I Yeah, if, for sure. And since I brought Tim up, is Tim responsible for this two game winning streak? Because after the – what was our last loss? Was that Charlotte?
1: Uh, yes, that was the catastrophic uh, Charlotte loss.
0: So De'Aaron Fox leaves without talking to the media like an angel. I'm Team De'Aaron here because I'm anti-Tim. But <laughs> So De'Aaron Fox tells the media, I'm sorry, but I must go. And he walks out <laughs> nicely. And then Tim, being the evildoer he is, goes, De'Aaron's not a leader. And De'Aaron sees that on Twitter, and he goes, "Please, Mister, I was the second to last person to leave. I just didn't feel like talking." And then, ever since then, the kings <laughs> have won. That's exactly what happened.
1: Yeah, I think I think Tim gets a bad rap here, and I hate defending him. But like, I think what he said was he, you know, he wasn't exhibiting the greatest leadership qualities in that moment. I get, though, like, being frustrated and thinking the best move for you is to just get the hell out of there, right? So, like, you got to wait. I think De'Aaron Fox decides, like, okay, I might get I might get crapped on for this, but I'm out of here, right? Um, what that does, though, is it makes everybody else have to stay in the locker room and give quotes. Yeah. And so that's where I think that the, the, the take holds some merit. I really don't know how much uh, – how much? I mean, obviously, De'Aaron Fox replied, uh, <laughs> but I don't, I don't know how much those guys are motivated by uh, by Tim. I'm not sure. I mean, I'm not motivated by Tim at all.
0: Oh, I'm not either. I'm motivated to <laughs> <laughs> But I mean, but I I mean whatever works, famous. right? Like if yeah. if Tim's
1: gotta say something mean every, after every game, just to like, you know, which we can we can ride to, that. Right? Yeah, we can do that, that after 10 point <laughs> victories. <laughs> I say we ride that train until they lose again. Yeah. Uh, which can be never if for my for my uh prediction to hold yeah.
0: If what, once the key, once the league gives us three wins back. I don't think right. we ever actually decided on what the third one was, but once that happens. And for those I guess it's I should happening. say for those for those who didn't hear the story, Tim basically said what Kevin said. He said, "I don't a leader shouldn't be leaving his team hanging with the media." DeAaron responded to that on Twitter. And that's basically the story. Um, and it was more
1: a take on, like, what he felt like, you know, leadership qualities are, you know, or and Jimmy, what a good leader would have done in that situation and what he expected, right? I think it had a lot less to do with yeah. De'Aaron Fox necessarily, uh, you know. It's. It wasn't an indictment on how he's handled himself. Always, yeah. This is just like the worst loss of of this stretch, and and everyone was expecting to hear something, right? Like not necessarily yeah. from De'Aaron, but from the team, and he is sort of the face of the of the team, right, in terms of the players on the floor. And so, outside of Luke, he's the one I think you want to hear from.
0: Honestly, I think it was a bunch of frustrations after a tough loss, and none of it really means anything in the long stretch. Like, all my joking aside, it never really bothered me. Um, I don't care if a guy blows off the media every once in a while. Maybe it is better no, exactly. that night if it happens. I don't think it's an indictment on their leadership on anything. I think it was just a tough loss. I've seen LeBron James do the same thing. I know I've seen other stars leave without talking to the media. I to say even Steph yeah. Curry's done it. Like, guys have done it. It's... It'll happen again, maybe with the air and maybe with buddy, maybe with someone else, but it's going to happen. Um, if it's every single loss, that's another story. For sure.
1: And I think maybe that's where like people read into that and they're like, well, why would you pick on this guy? He's never done that before. And I think it's just, you know, it's some there there are times when you just give commentary on what's happening, right? Not necessarily the totality of everything that we know yeah. about a person needs to be <laughs> brought into that commentary and so I think even the fact that De'Aaron replied was out of frustration right like you don't normally see that or from any player let alone him
0: it's one thing we do as sports fans it's like we sit here and we pout over losses but we don't allow the guys who were out there actually doing work while you and I are sitting here with perhaps blue ribbon eating Cheetos and we're we think we're entitled to be this angry but they aren't right oh yeah oh i'm the only one and i mean this is
1: this dude's like actual he's actually on the team you know what i mean and we're mad because we because we wasted two hours watching it on television or whatever right like this (laughs) dude has to go out there and play this is his team you know he has a lot more ownership in in the outcome than we do um and so you can imagine that frustration level is pretty freaking high and i I i'm not trying to be an apologist i do think i would have preferred for those guys to stand in there and say like, this is what, you know, we're going to do better or whatever. Right. Like I also get the idea though, that like, what is he going to say? You know what I mean? And it isn't going to help his team. It's only going to, you know, to, to play better next game. But I think the other argument is that like standing in there and being a leader shows that you're taking accountability and your team will respect you more for it. That's sort of the leadership commentary, but he's done that time and again. So I don't, I'm not concerned about it.
0: And he's also 22. Like, he's, he's got right. things to learn. He's hopefully going to grow as a person, as a player, all that. And De'Aaron, for all the time De'Aaron has had here, he's been drama free. There hasn't been any De'Aaron drama this whole time. He's been pretty drama-free. Well, there was.
1: He's caught. There was the but. whole. There's the in and out thing, right? Oh, yeah.
0: Well, that's, that's a character flaw. I, I hate to say that. Exactly. <laughs> yeah. Liking Whataburger, oh, I've never had Whataburger, but it's not In and Out, so I know In and Out is better.
1: Right, right, one hundred percent. All those Shake lost Shacks Texas up there, I can't even Im- can't even imagine that Whataburger is even is even on the uh, you know in the top
0: three. I mean, how good can a burger be if it's if its title is what a burger? Like it doesn't even. Have <laughs> right. No,
1: I no argument for me. It's the worst thing he's ever done. Um, as far yeah. as i'm concerned
0: so i mean and this is also, the
1: blip compared the to first the, time I compared heard it,
0: to I, that yeah oh yeah that's what tim should have called him out on i would have been on tim's side there <laughs> follow follow uh, tim on twitter i forget what his ad is but follow him Sacktown baby giraffe is that i always forget anyway. if that's his at or his display name but Anyways, do you I have anything remember. else to say about those games? What was your reaction when Harrison Barnes? Did you watch live when Harrison Barnes? Did I was that?
1: there. I was there with my dad. And oh, I, nice. We were, you know, I was, uh, I was having a uh, whiskey soda. Uh, I was really hyped. We needed that win. Um, and then when he converted on the putback, I think everybody saw. Like when when uh, the Jazz came back and scored um with very little time left i think like 11 seconds or whatever and they called the foul on that play everybody in the arena thought it was an offensive foul under the basket and the basket wasn't going to count and when it did um and they called like the basket and a loose ball foul which is like the least helpful call that could have been uh for the kings i mean i think we all thought it was over uh had a wide open shot in the corner couldn't convert and then it was just like let's go home but somehow out of nowhere harrison barnes comes in and tips that and honestly i think on a two-handed tip the jazz should have gone back to zero based on 21 rules but whatever yeah all i'm saying is it was incredible the fans in out on doco and king's landing if you will uh were losing their minds Uh, people were, people were legitimately chanting one and five, uh, screaming, jumping around a car drove by as we were standing at the light rail station, like bumping, don't stop believing. Uh, I'm not making any of this up. Like the fans, the Kings were one and five, then the fans were undefeated that night. Like that was incredible to watch, uh, how, how stoked they were. Like, you would have thought we won a playoff game. They were so stoked. And nobody left. Like, that, I think maybe just the, the the less than hot, hot start maybe hurt attendance a little. But, like, that was a loud crowd who was really into it the whole time. Um, it was. Also, nobody left early.
0: It was also on my birthday. So, it was a holiday. People were probably celebrating.
1: Oh, uh, right, 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 right. That makes sense.
0: Yeah. So, you know. <laughs> <laughs> but I I honestly was very cynical even after the shot because there was two seconds left. Right, I, I, this is the Kings. They're going to lose. It's going to wow, be Courtney Lee all that. over again, or
1: something. <laughs> yeah, no, I mean, the even the play they drew up was kind of was was pretty impressive, and Bealisa had a wide open shot. Like I said, right? Like it was what you would maybe ask for. I don't know if I would have been. I don't know if I'm was necessarily on board with him being the guy taking the shot, yeah. but um, you know, he was doing he was well open that and he
0: game. was playing well that game. Yeah, yeah, yeah he I'm was. always. I'm never going to criticize a team. I'll criticize this coach for a lot of things, but I'm, I'm not going to criticize finding the hot hand. Um, I don't totally. know if you the hot hand, but if you find a guy who's been hitting it, I'm all for it. I'd honestly rather have that than all the times you see an NBA team go to its star who's missed his last 17 shots.
1: Oh, definitely. When you're just like, well, it's the end of the game, and so you've got to go to this guy, right? He's the guy that gets it done. Got to go to but Kobe has- with three men on him. <laughs> hasn't made a single shot all game. He's the only one they're defending. It's like, no, you gotta go black Mamba. I totally get it. Uh and so and I think to some degree, like you had Fox on the floor, you had De'Aaron on the floor, right? Like probably the last yeah. guy you're necessarily thinking about. And I think maybe even Bogey was out there too. So B. Elise is pretty low in terms of like who you think that that shot's coming from. And they worked it where he was wide open in the corner. Um and then you know the next less least likely guy to come through in the clutch is the one that does, right? He gets that rebound and he puts it right back in and
0: that's that. And I think I mentioned this earlier, but Dwayne Deadman hit the big three too.
1: Yeah, his that was a three huge of the
0: season, I believe.
1: It Maybe It feels yes. like it if that's not true. I don't <laughs> it felt like he never made a three in his life before that moment, to be but honest. I will give
0: Deadman one pass here in that I believe he was brought to play next to Bagley and we got like Three and a half minutes of that. <laughs> so, yeah. I I think Deadman. I'm not too worried about him because I think he fits better next to Bagley than anyone who's on the roster right now. Um, I could use yeah, I could use Giles right now, but because yeah, no, that, I
1: think you're right. Just because like if you're if you're adhering to the idea that Bagley is a four, right, then you need someone that can stretch the floor that can play the five, and that's Deadman. If Bagley can play the five. You know, you should be able to in a couple you years. Can. Right. Then B is a pretty good complimentary piece. And even I was you know go ahead, sorry.
0: Oh, I was just gonna say I was wondering where he was in this rotation. I still kinda am when we when we're healthy, but right. B is outside of our main guys, B has probably been our most important role player since the beginning of last year. Like him having a good performance almost always means the Kings are doing well. I think Tim had a stat on that once.
1: Yeah, they the Kings play much better with him on the floor just in terms of offense, on, offensive uh, efficiency and performance. Uh, that's true. I think that obviously he's lacking defensively, and it's yeah. mostly just because he doesn't have the lateral foot speed to like rotate or stay in front of a player. Uh, but I, I am personally of the belief that just statistically – his offensive value outweighs that deficiency. Uh, There's obviously people that don't agree with that, but he's also like an above average rebounder for his position, Mm -hmm. which I think is um, an underrated contribution uh, just overall, but also like in terms of when we're evaluating how well someone plays defense, like there's something to be said for like, if you can rebound well defensively, you're contributing on that end.
0: I think especially with non-star players, I mean, a star offensive player always gets a pass for his bad defense. But I think we do this weird thing where we diminish guys too much if they aren't the best defenders when they have offensive gifts. And I think people are so... They pick and choose when to do that and when not to. I just think it's funny. Like, Bielitsa isn't a great defender, but there are so many guys who are of his caliber who get away with not being a great defender. And then... We don't really do the same with guys who are just good at defense and good at offense. I think we get to they the point. Defense, yeah, exactly. We get to the point where people do the old "defense wins championships" adage to the extreme. Where there's been a few guys. There's been a Ben Wallace, a uh, Dikembe Mutumbo, which he was better earlier on on offense. guys who didn't really have that great of an offensive game, but became stars on defense alone. And but. Offense at the end of the day, it is the points you score that win you the game. Defense helps. Yeah.
1: I'm sure that some some dude is gonna fight you to the death over this, but like not me. I I honestly think I'd rather have like, you know, the James Harden guy than the Rajon Rondo or the you know or the or the Ben Wallace, right? Like I think you are much more valuable if all you do is play offense than if all you do is play defense. That said, I think that I don't think that you know Bealys is necessarily a com- a complete and total negative on that end just because he can no. rebound, he has some size. He doesn't have a lot of lateral foot speed and where I think he runs into a problem is that, you know, you have to be fairly switchable at that position nowadays. Right. Yeah. People are pretty athletic. But you see a lot of athletic guys who don't really defend well either. Right. <laughs> and they don't they aren't gonna hear the same kind of criticism that he is just because he's slow.
0: Yeah, I feel like with Bielita, it's more just physically he's not gonna be as good a defender. Given just right everything. It's not it's not another I was I was a Willy Cauley freestyle stein. Willie Cauley Stein free podcast before this, but it's not Willie Cauley Stein where you believe he can do it and he's just not doing it. Right, you.
1: If you want to talk about a guy who didn't really contribute what he should have been able to contribute defensively, there's there's a great there's a great example, right? Like he just wouldn't do it, and he had all of the the tools. He had lateral foot speed. He had athleticism. Uh, but he still wouldn't defend, but you wouldn't hear people, like, kill him for that, right? Like, and he doesn't, he didn't necessarily rebound amazingly. Um, so, I mean, if you're going to stack those two players up, I'd say dollar for dollar, Bielisa is more valuable, in my opinion. Yeah, Just be, you know, when you look at his contract for his contributions and the impact he has on the team when he's on the floor on the offensive side, that's the guy I'd rather
0: I'd always rather take the guy who knows what his role is than the guy who is trying to force a role that he isn't, regardless of the guy's
1: talent. That nobody's asking him to fill? Yeah, absolutely.
0: I would rather have a Costa Kufis out there who's going to get you, like, seven and five if he's playing minutes than a guy who might go 20 and two or might go three and one.
1: (laughs) But those moments that Willie did... Extend himself and put his hand in the air and try to block a shot were pretty incredible. So, obviously.
0: well, then that's what yeah. drove me I crazy. Was, it's I like, was, um, it, I was a late adopter of being anti Willie, actually. But what drove me crazy was it seemed like he wanted to play defense when he thought it was a highlight play, like when he could do an NBA street block, he would go in like ferociously, yeah.
1: but those like, wayside help blocks where you could like knock it into the fifth row or whatever. Absolutely,
0: yeah. yeah. But like, if someone drove by. De'Aaron Fox, who was actually trying to defend, not, like, due to a defensive deficiency. he just, like, sit there and stare. Like, go! Yeah, he was, you know,
1: I think he was just a terrible, you know, pick and roll or help defender. Obviously, he told you that he wouldn't try to block shots around the rim because he was afraid of hurting his hand again. Like, there's some mental stuff to that, too, but, like, also it just didn't seem like the effort was usually there. And honestly, he's only in the league because of how well he defended when when he was in college, right? The idea yeah. that you could have this seven-foot guy who could defend, like, four potentially, like, mythically, like, five positions because he has the foot speed to keep up with a guard, the full length of the floor, like, the fastest guards in the NCAA. Um, he's in the league because he was supposed to be able to block yeah. shots rebound and hustle like crazy nobody was asking him to try to turn into Kristaps porzingis and here we are
0: yeah good times good times <laughs> i I half, speaking... gonna, I half thought he could i half thought he was going to go to the mavericks this this uh off season and then play next to chris Dapp's porzingis
1: oh if those it's two just... touched each other i think the universe collapses on itself. it'd
0: be the spider-man meme <laughs> <laughs>
1: Or the what did they say? The same matter can't occupy this. I'm sure you know. Like
0: yeah, it's some sort of scientific thing.
1: <laughs> the same matter can't occupy the same space at the same time. Yeah. So like, it's Jean two MCs can't touches. occupy the
0: same space at the same time by Lauren Hill. I think that's the <laughs> oh, physicist okay. you're thinking of. Oh,
1: okay. All right. All right. All right. All right. Um, but no, I think you know the other underrated. Uh, the other player that we aren't talking about at all in this is, is Rashawn Holmes, who's been incredible, right? Oh, yeah. We talked about how you need that spacing that Bielitsa gives you or Dedman was supposed to give you. I think an under underrated aspect of Rashawn Holmes's game is that his ability to set a hard pick and roll so hard to the basket and just his general movement and activity – Creates a lot of space for everybody else without having the ability to hit a, a jumper. You know what I mean? He's yeah. not a guy who can stretch the floor just because he, he has that gravity. But like his movement creates some of that gravity. Oh, and yeah. I think it's about as effective as like a Alize's ability to shoot or a Deadman's hopeful ability to shoot. Um, and 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 I think that that's you know there's some ways that you can pair that with guys who maybe can't. So I can see Bagley and Holmes together working decently, even though neither of them has demonstrated that they can stretch the floor traditionally. I think Holmes has the ability to maybe do that in other ways.
0: Yeah. And I, I like Holmes off the bench when Bagley comes back, even if he's getting more minutes than Deadman. Because sure I just like I just like that energy off the bench he's Montrez Harold has become one of my favorite players in the NBA over the last year. I don't even remember if he's coming off the bench now this year or not, but I see Rashawn Holmes, obviously not. He's not that yet, but he's that similar player that just, he's driving teams bonkers. Cause just on sheer effort. Right.
1: It's what I was saying all off
0: season when I was the Kings fan who was saying that they need to sign him.
1: (laughs) You were definitely the, you were definitely the loudest uh, Rashawn Holmes voice, yeah. I think, in the room, for sure. Was, yeah. I can't think of anyone louder. Yeah. Um, but, you know, I, I definitely agree with you just because, I mean, from the standpoint that, like, Bagley and Holmes have a lot of, like, uh, similar skills with regards to, like, athleticism and what that brings. Um, you know, just speed, foot speed and, and bounce, um, you know, they seem like they're fairly interchangeable parts um that is probably more gifted athletically but man holmes is so strong he kind of makes up for like whatever (laughs) whatever whatever gifts uh he doesn't have um you know on offensively like he can just power right through you and it doesn't matter and he's just the effort is there a hundred percent of the time
0: yep i agree i i love a good effort guy off the bench or in starting, I especially start when off, they're like, I just love it, like my favorite like bigs in the modern NBA are the ones like him that just they're just everywhere. Totally,
1: and I think it's even better when they put up numbers while they're doing it, right? And he yeah. is like he's actually changing the game in real ways. It's not like wasted effort or just like effort that we're applauding because it's there. It's actually doing something and it's making a difference. Like I think that's why
0: it's so um, it, it's so weird to me that Kenneth Farid never adjusted to the NBA. Like he came at the exact wrong time, but it's so weird to me that he never like found his niche because theoretically he should have become this type of player. That yeah, <laughs> that just gets by on his effort, even if he's not putting up numbers. It's just gonna go back and forth, and he was in the NBA up until last year, so it's not like he's out of the league. I'm just kind of surprised that. His career took the arc, it did
1: totally. And I think you're right, like, there wasn't as big of a. I mean, he was pretty undersized, right, for a power forward back then. And so that, like, didn't exist yet at least, not. I mean, you, you, we would, we would look at undersized fours and we would not want them on our team unless they had some sort of freak athletic ability or they could shoot it, right? And so, like, a guy like him. Did have that freak athletic ability, but, like, still never – I don't know. It never really turned into, like, all that you thought it could. I, I'm with you there.
0: Yeah. Anyways, is there any more King stuff you need to talk about, or should we close this out? Or any pop I've culture got all references?
1: The, <laughs> I've got all, all the King stuff off my chest. I wish that we had made, like, some more, you know um, – we would made some pop culture references that maybe, like, resonated with the youth today, you know?
0: L- Lil Xan like
1: Lauren Hill. <laughs> there you go Lil Yachty yeah.
0: I yeah I think it
1: that's all that I know
0: yeah. Euphoria that. that HBO show just you know what else is there <laughs> to say Degrassi
1: toast? Oh if we could do a whole episode a whole show on Degrassi I'm I'm not joking you I could. <laughs> what do you what do you want to discuss
0: um, how come the guy from Degrassi is the face of the Raptors now and not none of their players? <laughs> They're the NBA champions, and I know their finals MVP left, but they even let him be the face uh, then.
1: Well, Jimmy Brooks was a really good player, and that's the thing I think that that people don't talk about. Like he was even when he was in his wheelchair, he was still coaching the team. Um, I think he got like an honorary MVP one season. Um and he won a couple of jump shot contests to show up the new kids. Like Jimmy Brooks is no slouch. So just like maybe, maybe just kind of watch your tone when you talk about him. is all that I'm saying.
0: Every, you know, whatever it took, you knew he was going to make it through. Really, right?
1: Whatever it takes, uh, he you, you knew he would make it through.
0: Absolutely. And on that note, people <laughs> can find you both at at K Fippin. Oh, after after queue up the sacktown royalty band obviously but people can find you at at K and at sacktown royalty correct
1: yeah i'm both so when somebody's tweeting uh during the game from sacktown royalty uh, it's usually me unless uh you know i can't make it that game or whatever uh, so you can find me there or you can follow me at k_fippen for uh you know basketball and other things that I like to do. And remember, everybody, after every win, and there's gonna be around 80 more of them. <laughs>
0: <laughs> <laughs>
1: we tweet gifts, yes, alright? Alright, guys, we tweet gifts. Yes. Yeah.
0: And then it on that note, if it's a retweet of one of my tweets, it's probably me logging in and retweeting.
1: That's true. That's a worst-kept secret, I think, in the account. Any. Any 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 traffic we give to Bradley uh it's coming from Bradley.
0: Uh yeah, I get retweeted plenty without it, but if it's a fire joke That's and right. I don't think it got its due, I'm retweeting it exactly on the road But right <laughs> well, uh, we're we're here for you. We're here for you. Like the worm gift, my new favorite gift, I won't go into detail about it, but <laughs> I have not retweeted that once and it's gotten retweeted like five times when I used it.
1: I think that I retweeted it one time. I'm just waiting for someone to complain, honestly. It's oh, gross. I,
0: if you don't know someone, about the worm tweet, <laughs> it's gross. It, it's off putting. Someone said oh, they God. were going to mute me for a month, so I'm apparently grounded. <laughs>
1: <laughs> it's bad. I'm surprised you haven't been reported. I don't even know how that, that gets allowed, honestly. Oh,
0: if, if I had gotten Trump, what, yeah. Putin's taking a stand
1: on a lot of things. And, yeah, worms can be really gross. is all that I'm gonna say.
0: Yeah, exactly. And on that note, I've been letting the band play. Doesn't the band, band sound good? Sounds beautiful. You're gonna edit
1: this, right? Because I feel like we went a lot of directions, and I don't know if anybody. Nah, wants to I'm a, I don't this. edit. No, editing's for cowards. Okay. Yeah, sh- sure, absolutely. It's gonna be great.
0: Yeah, it is. I'll edit out the right. awkward sentences. All right. I'll. And on that <laughs> note. You will hear me next time on the Sacktown Royalty Show. Be sure to listen to Sacktown Royalty After Dark or go to the King's Twitter roughly 15, 20, 30 minutes after a game and watch me do it live. And, yeah, see you guys next time. Bye.
1: I love you.